happy as he is yours. And indeed it was always to Susan that Shirley ran, to be kissed for bumps and rocked to sleep, and protected from well-deserved spankings. Susan had conscientiously spanked all the other Blythe children when she thought they needed it for their soul's good, but she would not spank Shirley nor allow his mother to do it. Once Dr. Blythe had spanked him and Susan had been stormily indignant. That man would spank an angel, Mrs. Doctor, dear, that he would, she had declared bitterly, and she would not make the poor doctor a pie for weeks. She had taken Shirley with her to her brother's house during his parents' absence, while all the other children had gone to Avonlea, and she had three blessed months of them all to herself. Nevertheless, Susan was very glad to find herself back at Ingleside, with all her darlings around her again. Ingleside was her world, and in it she reigned supreme. Even Anne seldom questioned her decisions, much to the disgust of Mrs. Rachel Lynde of Green Gables, who gloomily told Anne, whenever she visited Four Winds, that she was letting Susan get to be entirely too much of a boss and would live to rue it. "'Here is Cornelia Bride coming up the harbor road, Mrs. Dr. Dear,' said Susan." She will be coming up to unload three months' gossip on us. I hope so, said Anne, hugging her knees. I'm starving for Glen St. Mary gossip, Susan. I hope Miss Cornelia can tell me everything that has happened while we've been away. Everything. Who has got born, or married, or drunk? Who has died, or gone away, or come, or fought, or lost a cow, or found a bow? so delightful to be home again with all the dear Glen folks, and I want to know all about them. Why, I remember wondering as I walked through Westminster Abbey which of her two especial beaux Millicent Drew would finally marry. Do you know, Susan, I have a dreadful suspicion that I love gossip. Well, of course, Mrs. Dr. Dear, admitted Susan. Every proper woman likes to hear the news. I am rather interested in Millicent Drew's case myself. I never had a bow, much less two, and I do not mind now, for being an old maid does not hurt when you get used to it. Millicent's hair always looked to me as if she had swept it up with a broom. But the men do not seem to mind that. They only see her pretty, piquant, mocking little face, Susan. That may very well be, Mrs. Dr. Dear. The good book says that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but... I should not have minded finding that out for myself, if it had been so ordained. I have no doubt we will all be beautiful when we are angels, but what good will it do us then? Speaking of gossip, however, they do say that poor Mrs. Harrison Miller over harbor tried to hang herself last week. Oh, Susan, calm yourself, Mrs. Dr. Dear. She did not succeed. But I really do not blame her for trying, for her husband is a terrible man. But she was very foolish to think of hanging herself and leaving the way clear for him to marry some other woman. If I had been in her shoes, Mrs. Dr. Dear, I would have gone to work to worry him so that he would try to hang himself instead of me. Not that I hold with people hanging themselves under any circumstances, Mrs. Dr. Dear. What is the matter with Harrison Miller, anyway? said Anne impatiently. He is always driving someone to extremes. Well, some people call it religion, and some call it cussedness, begging your pardon, Mrs. Dr. Dear, for using such a word. 
It seems they cannot make out which it is in Harrison's case. There are days when he growls at everybody because he thinks he is foreordained to eternal punishment. And then there are days when he says he does not care and goes and gets drunk. My own opinion is that he is not sound in his intellect, for none of that branch of the Millers were. His grandfather went out of his mind. He thought he was surrounded by big black spiders. They crawled over him and floated in the air about him. I hope I shall never go insane, Mrs. Dr. Dear, and I do not think I will, because it is not a habit of the Bakers. But if an all-wise province should decree it, I hope it will not take the form of big black spiders, for I loathe the animals. As for Mrs. Miller, I do not know whether she really deserves pity or not. There are some who say she just married Harrison despite Richard Taylor, which seems to me a very peculiar reason for getting married. But then, of course, I am no judge of things matrimonial, Mrs. Dr. Dear. And there is Cornelia Bryant at the gate, so I will put this blessed brown baby on his bed and get my knitting. Chapter 2 Sheer Gossip Where are the other children? asked Miss Cornelia, when first the greetings, cordial on her side, rapturous on Anne's, and dignified on Susan's, were over. Shirley is in bed, and Jam and Walter and the twins are down in their beloved Rainbow Valley, said Anne. They just came home this afternoon, you know, and they could hardly wait until supper was over before rushing down to the valley. They love it above every spot on earth. Even the maple grove doesn't rival it in their affections. I am afraid they love it too well, said Susan gloomily. Little Jem said he would rather go to Rainbow Valley than to heaven when he died, and that was not a proper remark. I suppose they had a great time in Avonlea, said Miss Cornelia. Enormous. Marilla does spoil them terribly. Jem, in particular, can do no wrong in her eyes. Miss Cuthbert must be an old lady now, said Miss Cornelia, getting out her knitting so that she could hold her own with Susan. Miss Cornelia held that the woman whose hands were employed always had the advantage over the woman whose hands were not. Marilla is eighty-five, said Anne with a sigh. Her hair is snow-white. But strange to say, her eyesight is better than it was when she was sixty. Well, dearie, I'm real glad you're all back. I've been dreadful lonesome. But we haven't been dull in the Glen, believe me. There hasn't been such an exciting spring in my time as far as church matters go. We've got settled with the minister at last, Annie dearie. The Reverend John Knox Meredith, Mrs. Dr. Dear said Susan, resolved not to let Miss Cornelia tell all the news. Is he nice? Anne asked interestedly. Miss Cornelia sighed and Susan groaned. Yes, he's nice enough, if that were all, said the former. He is very nice and very learned and very spiritual. But, oh, Annie, dearie, he has no common sense. How was it you called him, then? Well, there's no doubt he is by far the best preacher we ever had in Glen St. Mary Church, said Miss Cornelia, veering a tack or two. I suppose it is because he is so moony and absent-minded that he never got a town call. His trial sermon was simply wonderful, believe me. Everyone went mad about it, and his looks. 
He is very comely, Mrs. Dr. dear, and when all is said and done, I do like to see a well-looking man in the pulpit, broke in Susan, thinking it was time she asserted herself again. Besides, said Miss Cornelia, we were anxious to get settled, and Mr. Meredith was the first candidate we were all agreed on. Somebody had some objection to all the others. There was some talk of calling Mr. Folsom. He was a good preacher, too, but somehow people didn't care for his appearance. He was too dark and sleek. He looked exactly like a great black tomcat that he did, Mrs. Dr. Dear, said Susan. I never could abide such a man in the pulpit every Sunday. Then Mr. Rogers came, and he was like a chip in porridge. Neither harm nor good, resumed Miss Cornelia. But if he had preached like Peter and Paul, it would have profited him nothing. For that day, old Caleb Ramsey's sheep strayed into church and gave a loud, Bah! just as he announced his text. Everybody laughed, and poor Rogers had no chance after that. Some thought... We ought to call Mr. Stewart, because he was so well-educated. He could read the New Testament in five languages. But I do not think he was any surer than other men of getting to heaven because of that, interjected Susan. Most of us didn't like his delivery, said Miss Cornelia, ignoring Susan. He talked in grunts, so to speak. And Mr. Arnett couldn't preach at all. And he picked about the worst candidating text there is in the Bible— Curse ye mirrors. Whenever he got stuck for an idea, he would bang the Bible and shout very bitterly, Curse ye mirrors. Poor mirrors got thoroughly cursed that day, whoever he was, Mrs. Dr. Dear, said Susan.